All right. I always get a lot of people messaging me, asking me how I find the best deals for my flips and my long-term and short-term rentals. I'm going to tell you how I do it. I direct source properties utilizing a company called PropStream. PropStream is an amazing, amazing uh, platform. It allows the user to combine any number of criteria and extract a list of properties that meets an exact investment profile. They have nationwide coverage for all kinds of cool lists like pre-foreclosures, bank-owned properties, high equity, vacant properties, tax, IRS, utility liens, and so on and so forth. It is it is just such an incredible platform. I mean, you know, this is how I, I I locate my own and off market properties. I generate lead list. I bet my properties. I assess my risk, calculate feasibility, and so on. Like, if you guys aren't using PropStream, you really really should. So go to https semicolon forward slash forward slash trial dot propstreampro dot com forward slash rei society. So basically, trial dot propstreampro.com forward slash REI society. And that's going to get you a seven-day free trial. Go ahead and sign up today. Welcome and hello, everybody. This is the REI Society podcast, where we are informing you everything real estate and business related so that you can be successful in REI investing we're sharing the tools, tips, and stories from people who have already made it. And my name is Brandon Thompson, your host. Each week, we'll bring extraordinary guests so that you can learn real estate from the best. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode. In this episode, I have one of my current coaching clients, Hunter Carson. He is the owner of Purple Lion Properties, which flips like 20 homes a year. He also has started investing in trailer parks and Airbnbs. But guess what? He's only 26. And in six years in corporate America and business, he is crushing it. And that's why he's starting a coaching program, Hunter Carson Coaching. So if you're interested in life and business, after you listen to this episode, you can reach out to Hunter Carson at the end. His contact information will be there. So can't wait for you to listen to this episode. It is so awesome. It is very inspiring and also educational. Thank you. Mr. Hunter Carson, how are you doing? Man, I'm fantastic. How are you, Brandon? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So I wanted to bring you on today to talk about creative financing and creative partnerships. But before we go there, let's talk about who you are and what you do. You are uh, the owner of Purple Lion Properties, which flips 20 homes per year. You own Airbnbs. You have a trailer park. And you're a fairly young guy that started in real estate just after college. And you're starting a new coaching company, Life and uh, Business Coaching, called Hunter Carson Coaching. So won't you fill in the gaps and let us know a little bit about life on your day-to-day uh, basis? and why you're doing what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. I'll try and go through it, you know, kind of quick. But, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you know, we're flipping, you know, a couple dozen houses a year, like you said. So that's the primary thing I'm focused on right now. And my company, which is called Purple Line Properties. You know, we are in the metro Atlanta area, but we also go uh, up to North Georgia and the Chattanooga metro area as well, too. 
So you also alluded to some rental properties. And so I'm partnered with some people on a uh, mobile home park and uh, some other rental properties and then uh, some Airbnbs as well too. So real estate is, is definitely my main focus. How I got into it is it's kind of an interesting story. But uh, the short answer is um, when I was in college, halfway through, I did an uh, internship where I was essentially a franchisee for a house painting company. And that was really my first exposure to running a, a small business. And I just fell in love with the process. I, I loved everything about it, even though it was a lot of work. It just it was just something that I felt was my calling. It was yeah. who I am, and uh, it was just a really good fit for me. So after college, you know, I was trying to figure out well, what is it that I want to do, and I had a really tough time because I had some uh, good offers from some more bigger corporate companies. But mm-hmm. I decided to kind of take my own path, and that eventually led me to real estate. Uh, I have a good buddy of mine that uh, really kind of encouraged me to take the leap into real estate, and uh, I shadowed and I worked for. Some more seasoned pros in the real estate field, and just learn from them. And uh, now I'm I'm doing it on a day to day basis. That's awesome. Well, congrats, congrats. And how old are you again? Uh, 26. 26 years old. Man, my gosh, that's incredible. So, yeah, you're you're killing it. I guess a quick note on our uh, our relationship. I met you at the Bigger Pockets Atlanta meeting, and uh, we started working together with coaching. So, if anybody's wondering how. Hunter and I know each other. It is that. And uh, been watching Hunter over the last, let's just say, a little less than a year, just evolve and just really crushing it. And now he's starting his own coaching company. So if you are interested in any kind of life and business or just awesome outdoor activity, like this guy is the guy for you. So well, let's, let's, as we switch over, or since we're talking about flipping, since you're a flipper, uh, as we switch over to a little bit of what you can teach the audience, you you are a master of creative partnerships and creative financing, utilizing no money down techniques. What's a typical deal look like for you and how do you structure that? So when you say deal, are you want referring more to like a flip or rental property, either or? Either or. Okay. Well, I would say first off say that, you know, no two deals are the same, right? And you probably mm-hmm. know that. And even sometimes structuring these deals as well too. No, no, no two are going to be exactly the same. As far as for some techniques that I've used, because you you also mentioned you know no money down, which for some people that might be kind of a, a hummer. Think oh that's bogus, you can't do that or whatever. But what I mean by that is that I'm not putting any sort of money out of my own pocket into some of the deals that we do. So what will happen is I'll, I'll get a loan from you know what's typically referred to as a hard money lender, basically a, a company that. Usually, we'll lend you know ninety percent of the total loan on a property, or you know possibly seventy percent of the after repair value, or basically how much the property is going to be worth after it's fixed up. And you know that covers most of uh, the investment for purchasing or rehabbing the property, but there's still like a little bit more in there. You know, usually ten or twenty five percent that I'd have to put into the deal to purchase the property. And so for that, I work with a lot of private individuals. And, uh, you know, give them a return. You know, sometimes it's debt, right? So they get a set return, a monthly payment, or sometimes it's equity, basically a, a profit share once the project has been sold. Um, so those are really the two big avenues that I would say I work some of the, I guess, creative financing. We use some other techniques such as subject to financing, which I, you know, some of your listeners might be familiar with, but basically that's just assuming the current loan or, or buying the property 
subject to the existing loan that's already in place on a property. And again, that just reduces the amount of capital that you have to come up with to buy a property. Yeah, yeah. So working with private capital investors, let's say, we'll call them that, private capital investors, what kind of rate of returns are you paying back to these guys? What kind of paperwork are you utilizing? And just just kind of structure that out for us if you don't mind. Yeah, so rates of return uh, can kind of differ. You know, if it's dead, it's usually around 10 to 14% uh, return on their, you know, investment. If it's on the equity side, it's a little bit more complicated because obviously um, it's based on the profit of a typical flip. And, you know, usually on these flips, you know, we're trying to shoot for at least a $25,000 profit after everything has been accounted for, maybe upwards of 40 or 50,000 on some of the bigger projects. So, the um, as of late, you know, sometimes that might be like a twenty or twenty five percent return of whatever the total profit is. If it's uh, an equity investment, if it's a debt, like I said, anywhere from ten to fourteen percent uh, return on their investment, which again usually ranges from maybe twenty, thirty thousand dollars or so, maybe give or take a little bit that they might be putting in the deal. As far as paperwork goes, so if it's for uh, if it's equity, right? Usually, what we'll do is we'll form a separate entity, a separate LLC, and kind of break out the ownership from there, you know, from the company that I own, which is Purple Line Properties versus, you know, their name or a group of individuals, whatever it might be. And that way, it's pretty straightforward as far as, okay, we look at what the total investment is. And, you know, at the very end, we see what the breakdown in the ownership is and we pay the profits out according to that. Uh, if it's debt, basically, it's just a, it's real simple. It's just basically a note. And, um, there's honestly a lot of trust that goes on, you know, between that. I have a really good relationship um, with the people that I partner with, um, you know, on the deals that I do. So uh, it's usually more of just a, a trust thing than anything else. But if something were to go south, at least we have that note that guarantees them uh, and it puts them in the first position. Should I default on that payment? Yeah, and, and you're recording the security deeds too. So in Georgia, we have the security right. deeds. Yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well. Um, Specifically uh, about your your private capital investors, are you using what's called a joint venture agreement for the equity investors? No, honestly, I'm not using that. Okay, okay. So you're just using a even a promissory note for your equity investors if they're getting twenty or thirty or fifty percent or whatever. You get a promissory note. Uh, are they also getting the security if they're an equity player? So, so if they're equity investor, really, it's just. How we structure it is just through the operating agreement in the LLC. So we kind of specify it there, what the ownership breakdown is, you know, profit payout, et cetera, et cetera. Um, That's how we put it is is in the operating agreement. Gotcha. Makes sense. So what would be a a good way to start uh, if you are a novice? You've been doing this for a few years now. If, If you're a newbie just trying to get started that wants to do Subject to or mm-hmm. a uh, uh, you know I guess let's forget hard money um, structure out a private capital deal which you're talking about what's a good way to get a good foot in the door per se yeah I think this is a very common question and you know some answers can range all over the place but I think there's definitely a fine line between education and you know taking action right you know mm-hmm. making phone calls or whatever and I think you, you need at least a little bit of education to be dangerous you know if you're blindly going out there and you have no clue what you're doing for instance if you don't know what subject to means and you're talking to agents or wholesalers and say I want to do a subject to deal 
they're going to not, they're not going to take you serious. So you need to have at least a little bit of education, whether that's maybe listening to your podcast or listening to uh, other real estate investors or possibly reading a couple books just to kind of get a baseline knowledge. After that, man, you know, I heard that, you know, clarity comes from action. And, you know, I remember reading that a few months ago and I thought, man, that's such a great line. And, you know, a lot of times, like you don't have to have all the answers figured out, but as soon as you start going out and doing stuff and talking to people and talking to sellers or buyers, you learn so much from doing that. So I would just say, get that baseline education. And then from there, just start doing stuff and, you know, you'll, you'll learn from there. Yeah. All right. Well, it makes sense. So you have Airbnbs, you've got a trailer park. Won't you tell us the story of how you found the trailer park, how you put that deal together? And then from there, how you found your Airbnb or short-term rental, what that experience was like and whether you would do it again. So I know that's two questions and I'm throwing it all into one. Sure. So start with the trailer park, then the Airbnb. Okay. So for us, we primarily use uh, direct mail marketing to source a lot of the leads. I would say 80% of the deals, the properties that we buy come from direct mail marketing. So actually, both of these came from direct mail marketing. And so basically, the owner of the properties, you know, you know, called us up, we answered and said, Hey, you know, I want to sell my property. We worked out all the terms and everything like that. For the trailer park, it was very interesting because I didn't know, but it's actually somewhat difficult to get loans on uh, smaller trailer parks. Basically, anything under a million dollars, there's really only a few lenders out there that, that do that type of lending. And most of the times, they're very regional local banks that even touch that kind, of, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, we were reaching out and we got some interest, but at the end of the day, you know, we just really didn't find a lender that, you know, and if we did get any terms back from some of these lenders, I mean, they were wanting to charge 10 or 12% interest with, you know, 30 to 45% down. And, you know, we just really didn't want to, to, to spend that much just to do the deal. So what we actually ended up doing is we, um, we went back to the seller and we said, Hey, you know, will you owner finance some of this? And uh, we'll just assume the current loan that you have in place as well, because the the seller uh, he had a great loan. He had a, a fifteen year you know loan on a, a you know fifteen year amortization with no balloon at like six percent interest, and that's very tough to find on you know a trailer park. And what's even better about that is like we're, he was already six years into the loan, and so now you know with only nine years, now we're starting to really eat at a lot of that principal. For that loan as well too. So what we ended up doing is we offered them. I think it was like five or ten thousand dollars more on the purchase price, and basically just assumed that loan that he had. And you know, I think both parties were happy. You know, it's not like he needed to uh, get a whole bunch of other loans, and you know, he was able to get more money at closing. And then you know, we were happy with a good loan on the property. Yeah. So this become this is starting to become a recurring theme in my podcast for some reason. Uh, trailers and trailer parks, and you have one as well. What? Why was the gentleman selling the trailer park? Why did he want out? Well, he you know he wanted to retire. Um, that's the short answer to it. I think he was he had a few other rental properties. He's just wanting to to cash out of everything. And right. I, you know I I I feel like I get this a lot from you know older people from the direct mail. It's just that you know some people in the stage of life that they're at, it's just one less thing to worry about, uh, one less thing to keep up with. And you know real estate's great, but it's not. 100%, usually not 100% passive. There's still a little bit of element of work 
in there managing properties or even managing the property managers. And, you know, I think some people, when they get, you know, up more in the years, they just, they just want more off their plate. So he was just really trying to retire and, and wanted to move it that way. Okay. So you come in and you're able to help him accomplish his goal. Um, worst case scenario, I'm sure you got something uh, worked out because he's owner financing and you mm-hmm. were assuming it alone. He's fully protected and you get to do some immediate renovations to the property to force the appreciation to make it worth more than what it is, as well as get the cash flow and the tax benefits. So it sounds like a smart deal, like a, a win-win for all parties, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what, was that the was that a case? Felt like it was. Well, you just said yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it was a win-win. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm honestly, I think pretty much all the transactions that you know I do in real estate are win-win in some shape or form. You know, somebody has a problem, usually a seller. You know, whether it's they're living out of state trying to manage a property, or they're just they don't have the hearts to evict. You know, the tenants that haven't been paying rent for six months or whatever, whatever the case may be. Maybe they're trying to retire, so. As real estate investors, a lot of times we're just trying to help somebody out of a problem. And so, you know, we offer some sort of value for them and to where, yeah, like you said, it's a win win for both parties. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think it was definitely a win win situation. Yeah. Regarding the trailer park, is this something you think you'd want to own again? Like buy another one and another one? Is this something you would repeat? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think. One thing I would do different is, is certainly go bigger on the trailer parks. I think, you know, with commercial real estate, there's just, you get economies of scale. Um, so we could probably put, you know, a handyman or uh, some sort of maintenance person on either part-time or full-time. I would definitely want to try and get over the million dollar purchase price just because it's a lot easier to finance those properties. And I think, like I was just saying earlier, you know, it can just justify having a, a couple more items on the payroll. And um, I, I just see the the benefits of doing that. And it's, I, I really don't think it's that much more complicated to, you know, manage a, you know, a, a 50 or 30 unit or maybe even a hundred unit than it is, you know, a, a smaller one. You know, it's just, yeah, more money, but more maintenance requests. But at the end of the day, it's still the same process and system that it is for, you know, a smaller one. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. So I remember on a coaching call, you told me you were having an experience with your property manager at this trailer park per se. And, uh, it wasn't going as well as you had hoped it was. What are some what are some pitfalls you had with the property manager you had on staff at that point, and how did you solve the issue with that property manager? I think the you know I think the root of a lot of problems are just you know lack of communication, and I, I think me and my partners had some expectations for the property, you know what returns we want, how we wanted it managed, and honestly, we just probably didn't do the best of jobs of communicating that up front. Or maybe we communicated it, but we didn't really put it in writing or have something to fall back on. And so I think he was, you know, a little unsure of, as far as the standard that we were kind of demanding from, you know, for managing the property. So, you know, how we, um, you know, remediated that is, you know, we, we sat down with them and we said, Hey, look, you know, this is where we're at. Here's some things that have been working well. Here's some things that haven't been working well that we want to see a change. And, you know, kind of going from there, it, it certainly did improve and it is improving. I think it's 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 really tough in, in this business and probably any other business to really find like A plus players, you know, A plus contractors, A plus property managers, you know, when you can find those people to work with, man, you know, do whatever you can to make sure that you're bringing them a lot of value. But I, I guess that that might have answered your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the gentleman is still working with you. It sounds like. Well, you're you're pretty good at expressing yourself, and I'm sure he got it. But yeah, I mean, working with people. 
it is is tough sometimes. And uh, I think you're right. You have to set the expectations right out the gates and not become their best friends. And then they in turn respect you and try to do the best they can to serve you. And and you're, you're, like you said, you're helping them as well. All right, guys, this sponsor is REI Society itself. REISociety.com mastermind is where I want you to go as soon as we get done with this episode. Or go ahead and book the link right now on your phone or laptop, wherever you're listening to this. This is where I'm doing a 30-day real estate investment virtual bootcamp mastermind. It combines the exact strategies I've used to triple my income and design my real estate career. It's a virtual mastermind about creating clarity, taking massive action, and getting tangible results. There's no travel required. You can do everything from the comfort of your smartphone or laptop. What I do need from you is full engagement towards the realizations of your goals. You're going to learn about wholesaling, flipping, rentals, and short-term rentals. Basically, creating income from thin air while never utilizing your own money. Learn how to you know, determine values correctly, work with contractors without getting hurt, Design a home quickly and to sell a property quickly like a pro. Learn how to use the Burr method and build a long-lasting portfolio so that you can have passive income and create long-lasting wealth. And then how to build a multi-million dollar portfolio and how to become a five-star super host quickly in short-term rentals if you're interested in that side of the game. We'll help you set up your office, your digital office, set up marketing so you can get more leads, acquisitions, finance, construction, management, liquidations. And you also get a 30-day mentorship by yours truly and my wife, Tiffany, in a closed Facebook group. You're going to get all my documents, all my lenders, everything. Go to reisociety.com forward slash mastermind right now and sign up today. And right now, because of these unprecedented times, we're giving a 20% discount on our cost of the classes. Thank you. Your episode here is kind of more like a, a case study. A 26-year-old coming right out of college, flipping 20 homes a year, owns a trailer park, owns Airbnbs, and you're starting a coaching business, uh, which I've had the pleasure, like I said, of, of, of coaching, uh, coaching you for a few months. Like you're, you're just a badass at soaking up information. So... Um, Let's talk about your Airbnb experience. Like I've, I've, okay. had, a, uh, I've had a chance to watch, watch you grow with this stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you started your first Airbnb and hit the first guest or tenant or whatever you want to call it right out, mm-hmm. uh, right out the gates you know, with money flowing in. So why don't you tell mm-hmm. us about your, uh, your first Airbnb experience and uh, how that's going? Sure. Yeah. I guess I didn't really answer that question earlier, but yeah. so just to backtrack, you know, a second. So sure. I originally bought this property really to flip. And so, you know, bought it kind of like what I alluded to or was talking about earlier, you know, structured it with an equ- equity partner in this one. You know, we had a hard money lender, did a loan on it. And we we just, I guess, started the renovation process. And maybe this was the time I was really starting to hit the ground running looking for Airbnbs. And, you know, I just kept thinking to myself, you know, this is really a unique property just because it's, it's located on... A, a very top lot in in a subdivision, and it's surrounded by trees and and woods, and so it's very secluded. It's also like a, a mid century modern, and mm-hmm. has like the flat roof and you know the huge you know floor to ceiling windows in it. So it's just got a lot of character to it. You just don't run across those properties every day, and especially 
you know, ones where, you know, you can build in some equity in them as well. So mm-hmm. we were probably two thirds done with the renovation. And we said, you know what, let's, let's Airbnb this thing. Let's give it a shot. Yes. And so kind of with some of the finishes, we, we kind of tailored it to make it stand out a little bit, put some cool looking fixtures in there. But from there, you know, I definitely learned it takes a little bit more than what you think as far as for furnishing some of these. <laughs> and I think that's something I probably would outsource next time yeah. just because it just, uh, where to get all this stuff, assembling it and all this, you know, this other stuff. And then I don't have the taste for it. But thankfully, my right. wife, Anna, was able to really help with that. But anyway, so we got that going in, in February of this year. And yeah, I mean, like you said, I honestly was a little surprised. But right out of the gate, for the most part, it's, you know, I would say it's eh, 25 maybe nights out of the month on average. It's been booked up, which are great numbers for an Airbnb. You know, we're getting a great cash flow on it. I think it's running for around $3,500 a month on average. Our expenses on it currently are about $1,500, which we're refinancing now. So that's going to go up to maybe about $2,000 per month. But still, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to do that math and see like, wow, you know, that's some real cash flow there from just one, one house. But, you know, I think all in all, it's been good. There has been one negative um, I guess to it, you know, somebody decided to throw a party and um, they didn't clean up after the party. And so we were just left with a huge mess. But, mm-hmm. you know, fortunately, we were able to, to fix that and, you know, get some more money from them. But other than that, you know, it's been a learning process, but it has been enjoyable and uh, definitely would recommend, you know, doing Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we switch over to your coaching and, and talking about it, where's your next step? Like I said, you're you still haven't hit thirty yet, and you're already crushing it in this business. Where do you want to go from here in the real estate arena? So with flipping for us, you know, we're on track to do you know roughly two dozen houses in flipping this year. So that's certainly for at least the next by December or the next twelve months, continuing to hit that number. Um, and really, since I started, you know, I I kind of have this doubling every year. I think the first year I did it, I did one. Or two, and then the next year did like five or six, and then last year it was it was like ten or eleven, and now it's going to be you know twenty four. We've already done uh, twelve, and we're only in what barely in June right here, and so I think we, we will be able to hit that twenty four number pretty easily this year as well too. So for right now, just really continuing to double however much that we've done previously for the flipping. I would say on the rental side of things, you know, continuing to get more Airbnbs. I really want to get five or six um, in some different locations, different states, just to kind of diversify the risk. I know we've we've talked about that some as far as not kind of having all your properties in one basket, just because regulations can change, markets can change, and uh, I think that's a really good tip that you you had mentioned there as far as getting them in different areas. So getting some more Airbnbs, and then I think the only other thing I would add to real estate is really just starting to get. More into bigger commercial properties. I think, you know, by the end or second or third, or excuse me, third or fourth quarter of this year, really want to get in some bigger, you know, million dollar properties, whether that, you know, probably is going to be some trailer parks, um, possibly a different asset class like self storage, but that would be the next avenue I'd love to hit in the real estate side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, points to add to what you were saying with short term rentals or so as people call them Airbnbs. Somehow that took the label of short-term rentals. So if you say Airbnb, everybody knows what it is. Probably more than they do short-term rentals. But yeah, I think it's a smart idea to have your properties in different cities uh, and also in different states. Even if you want to confine it to one region, kind of like I have, we're, we're 
we're looking for our fifth and sixth short-term rental right now. But during the months of March and April, when coronavirus hit, we had Blue Ridge, we had Hilton Head property, Savannah, Georgia property, Atlanta, and everything, every one of them died except for the Blue Ridge LJ property in the mountains. For some reason, thankfully, one out of four stayed busy. I guess it was so close to Atlanta. It's only an hour, hour and a half drive from Atlanta. People were still coming to or going to the property and staying and weren't really scared. So that helped me float the bills for this pandemic, this time of pandemic. Now, late May, early June, we're in June now, all the Airbnb properties or short-term rentals have started busting out, you know, opening the floodgates, you know, freaks are out on the streets kind of thing again. And they're cash flowing really, really well. But for that brief moment for two months, they they died down. And that one property out of four was kind of a saving grace so that I didn't have to tap into my bank account. It basically paid for everything, which was great. So that was a proof of theory right there, the asset allocation, kind of like you do with a, uh, I guess, a money market. Well, not a money market, but a, a brokerage account, things like that. Mm-hmm. It's really good to have asset allocation and diversify different types of properties. You don't want to have mm-hmm. a, a bunch of cabins uh, or a bunch of beach properties. You get a cabin, a beach property, a city house, and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, that's that's good. And then the uh, I, I like your idea of going into the million dollar properties per se, another trailer park. Another thought I've been having, uh, I've got here in my hometown, which is a college town. We've got these old warehouses still. A couple of them are vacant. And I've kind of I've already skipped traced them and found the uh, owner of one in particular, and it is right next to our downtown area, which I've been thinking about doing my first syndication if I can work a deal out with this owner. But I would love to take this property and turn it into lofts and rent them out and refinance them and or sell them off individual uh, as individual units. So. That's something I'm thinking about, and I would encourage you to definitely do that. It's uh, I've waited 17 years. I still haven't done it. I've owned a storage building for a brief stint, and uh, that was that was an interesting experience. We can go into another day <laughs> for me. Uh, it didn't work out good for us, but my, I know a lot of people that own them, and they're just freaking cash flowing them for you know really really well. So I think the moral of the story is exercise your curiosity first and foremost, and uh, just have fun. And when you're having fun, you know, life is easy. So let's go into your coaching, if you don't mind, Hunter. Hunter Carson Coaching. What is that and why are you doing this? So what it is, is essentially aimed at you know, young um, business owners, first-time entrepreneurs that you know, maybe they don't have a, a role model or you know, anyone in their sphere of influence to kind of look up to. Because you know, what I've learned, and I've been doing this, you know, I've been in small business for roughly six years now. So even though I'm still a, a young chicken, I guess at, at 26, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been doing this, I guess, ever since I was about 20 years old and, and various uh, businesses, right? You know, house painting. And I was actually a, I started a career coaching business right out of college and then real estate now too. So, you know, that, that comes with a little bit of, or maybe a lot of experience and, you know, a lot of mistakes I've made, a lot of things I've learned. And, you know, man, if, if I just had, you know, someone, a little bit older than me that could have really helped me, you know, or, or in real estate, you know, somebody like you that, hey, you've been doing it for a while. You have, you know, a lot of, of knowledge and, you know, just different belief systems and how you operate, different habits in your life that can really 
escalate how quickly you can, you know, be successful. You know, because one thing I've learned in business and really life in general as well is that, you know, we can all be given the same circumstances, but how we react to them or how we, you know, how we reframe them, we can have two totally different experiences from that, right? So if, if I throw a problem for you, you might, you know, in a weird way, your eyes light up and say, all right, you know, I get to, I get to tackle this problem today versus somebody else that may have not had to experience a lot of adversity or they've had to face a lot of problems in life. They just may buckle down and really shut down. And as a result, their business is probably going to, it's going to follow kind of how their, their mindset is. So that's kind of the, the chief aim as far as what it, what it does. As far as why I'm doing it, I feel like it's just something that's been on my heart for a while. You know, I, I love uh, talking with other people, you know, uh, just helping other people and, and really just it, taking the, any sort of knowledge or experience that I have and just, you know, using it to, to benefit others, you know, especially seeing, you know, where other people may struggle and, you know, I've been there and, you know, if I can just say the right thing or whatever, help them the right way. And, you know, that it brings me a lot of joy to, to do that. Yeah, that's, that's incredible, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching you blow up with this and uh, really helping people and making an impact. It's uh, You're probably one of the best people I've worked with as far as coaching in the last few years. And yeah, I know, you, I know you're definitely going to help a lot of people. So I'm excited to hear how this moves forward and progresses as you're uh, coaching more and more people. Well, I'll tell you what. So there's an element in my show where... You know, we like to inspire, which is what we've been doing. We like to educate. We like to give people hope. But then I like to humanize you. I like to bring it all down to kind of like kind of the three or four questions that does a wrap up, you know, kind of like your, your last few questions of the episode. And I wrap it around pop culture. I'm a product of the late 80s and I guess I'm a product of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s and so on. But I'm a big movie, music, and book nerd so or buff so let's start off with the first question what's your favorite book and why oh that's tough man because i'm such a big reader and um there's a lot of different books that i love do i have to pick one or can i can i maybe name two or three you can you can can put out 13 if you want it doesn't matter (laughs) i think one of the the books that really transformed my life is uh, think and grow rich by napoleon hill uh the, the time in my life, I was, you know, again, I was about 20 years old, starting a house penny business. I had, I didn't really know what the whole self-help, personal development genre, you know, was. I wasn't a big reader at that point in my life. And I remember, actually, I guess, listened to it on audio tape. And uh, that book just had a huge impact on my life. And I think if everyone in, in America or the world just could hear the message of that, I really think that's a great book. And another one that's kind of along the same lines of that is, is a, it's a, a short book called As a Man Thinketh. I think it's James Allen wrote that and it's a very similar message. So I would say that those are, you know, probably some of my top two favorite books that, um, that I've read. Awesome. What's one of the uh, most recent books that you've enjoyed? Most recent. I read this book. Uh, it's called Relax into Wealth by Alan Cohen. I read this in the last year slash beginning of this year. And I think that one's just really had a huge um, influence on kind of how I reframe adversity and just kind of slowing down a little bit. You know, I think we all live such rushed lives and just trying, you know, a lot of times clarity comes when you just slow down and you're just very intentional intentional on how you kind of walk through the day. And so that one's had a big impact on me recently. Awesome, awesome. What's your favorite movie or documentary or both and why? <laughs> hmm. Favorite movie or documentary? 
Let's see here. I would say maybe one that I've just always loved because you you mentioned this earlier, big outdoors person. I love the movie Into the Wild. Um, yeah. I can't yeah. remember who, I guess, you know, Emil, directed that or anything. Emil Hirsch. Uh, Emil Hirsch was the actor, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the actor. So that's that's definitely one. I know I'm forgetting probably uh, one that I shouldn't forget in there, but I don't know. I just, I guess I've not really asked that question very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do you like the outdoors? I know you, you spend a lot, uh, you spend a lot doing outdoor activities. What makes you like the outdoors so much? I feel like I just get a lot of like, I don't know, peace and, you know, find like tranquility outside as weird as that sounds, yeah. but um, it's just very freeing and just to, you know, smell some fresh air and just be outside. And honestly, that's when I really think the best. And sometimes yeah. I have the best ideas when I'm just outside and, you know, there's just not a lot going on, not a lot of noise or whatever. So I would say that's probably why. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. What's your guilty pleasure music or song uh, when times are rough or tough? Man, I actually created a, a, a playlist for this. So it, I call it the my feel good energy shift, I think is what I call it. And basically, yeah. it's just some, some different, you know, pump up music or whatever. And it's just got all sorts of different stuff. It's not like one particular genre. In particular, but I'm a I'm a musical mutt. I guess that would be a term. Like I, you know, I like I like country music. You know, uh, classic rock, um, some more modern rock, classical music. So I I listen to all types of music, and so I've got some from you know different genres on there. But yeah, that's that's kind of my go to. And yeah. honestly, it it um it's amazing how much your mood can shift. You know, just by listening to some some good songs that pump you up. Yeah, I'm waiting for um, somebody to say Spice Girls or some kind of like <laughs> soft song by Madonna, not the ramped up, amped up versions of Madonna. Just some kind of like, I'm looking for somebody to say something like that. Nobody's done it yet, but sooner, sooner or later, somebody will. Well, shoot, where can people find you and find out more about what you do and your coaching and so on and so forth? Yeah, so for coaching, um, you can just go to huntercarsoncoaching.com. And you'll be able to contact me through the website. If not, if you want to just reach out to me through Instagram or Facebook, um, you should be able to find me on Instagram. You can find me as Hunter B. Carson and uh, Facebook, uh, you know, just Hunter Carson on there. And I'd love to connect with anybody, help anybody. Uh, I love talking real estate. I love talking entrepreneurship. I could probably talk to a wall about it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I know we talk a lot about it as well, too. So if you have any questions, you know, feel free to. Um, reach out to me and I'd, I'd be happy to help. Perfect. Well, thank you, Hunter. I greatly appreciate your time. Love what you're doing and can't wait to see you do more. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Brandon. And uh, it's been a pleasure working with yeah. you too. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I probably wouldn't be the same place if, uh, you know, we hadn't worked together, uh, like you said, since, you know, mid or, or latter half of last year and, mm -hmm. you know, just learned a lot from you. And like I said earlier, I think everyone should have a coach in their life in some shape or form. You just can get so much further, faster just tapping into the expertise and knowledge of somebody that's just a, you know, farther ahead than you are. So, uh, thanks for what you're doing. And yeah, it was, uh, it's been good jamming with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, have a blessed day and, uh, talk to you soon. <laughs>